Good evening and welcome to episode 69 of the Podding Shed um, with me, Grocer Jack. Um, a warm and loving welcome to Mark, who is so contrary. Evening, Mark. Wow, that's the first time I've ever had one, a warm and loving welcome. Ah, well, you know, we, uh, I, I, I feel very appreciated. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, then. Good evening. Um, and similarly, good to have uh, Donal back in the chair as well. Um, Donal, who is Dr. Blue Bio, good evening. <coughs> good evening. A pleasure to be here. Does, does he not get any love and warmth? Uh, well, I, I feel that he's a bit familiar. He, had, you know, The absence hasn't made my heart grow fonder towards him because it was already quite fond. Okay, mm. you know, whereas, uh, you know, your absence was, you know, duly noted and missed as well. It was like having one of the red arrows down. It just didn't quite... Tony, you're in danger of losing the dressing room here. Uh, am I <laughs> really? Yeah. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to hand out the love equally. And of course, yeah. the... Our, our, what, was a tight, what was a tightly knit and well-functioning <laughs> team is about to fall apart on you if you're not careful. <laughs> oh, there's nothing like this, is it? And um, finally, um, welcoming back, um, we, we've often called him our... Our, our substitute, our man off the bench, he's regularly becoming um, a, a feature of the, the podding shed. Um, the one and only Goalie59, who is Clayton Beerman. Good evening, Good ev- Clayton. Good evening to you all. Thank you for having me back again. Yes, it's... Uh, the John it's, Obi Mikel of the podding shed. Yes. Well, <laughs> I'd like to think so. I'd like to think so. Yeah. You know, I'm not probably... Uh, no, that's, that's a compliment. That's, that's a massive Probably compliment. Even, yes. even slower than him. But yeah. um, no, I, I take that as a compliment. Yeah. I know many people... Don't like the man, but I do. Yes, me mm. too. Um, anyway, anyway, the, co- the conversation is going to go sideways tonight, then, is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Okay. Um, in the three weeks, or in the, t- the two and a bit weeks since our last, uh, uh, the last time we convened, um, we've had three games in which we've beaten an already beaten team in Aston Villa. Um, so a chance to say farewell to um, Tactics Tim and his um, lovely collection of designer gilets, um, of which I believe Donal may well be wearing one as a tribute tonight um, we lifted our game yeah we lifted our game um, to show some dynamism in Kiev um, radiating a certain style but not running around like headless chickens in Kiev I uh, do apologize and then finally well, we had the West Ham game at the weekend um, which be, appears from Jose's uh, perspective to have become a meltdown from what was previously just a, a mild thaw in the man's personality. Um, but um, in the meantime, let's go on. Let's enjoy our glorious 69 um, and try and keep it above the waist tonight, unless, of course, we do have to refer to tackles. Mark, a pleasure to have you back. Thank Would you, you like to kick us off with your, um, your, your wit and wisdom and general views on those three weeks? You can tackle it game by game, or you can just sit there and throw everything up in the air for us. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I game by game. So just remind me of the games again, because I've, I've lost track. It's, a, it's Aston Villa, <laughs> Dynamo, <laughs> Dynamo Kiev, and, um, um, and we're... Such playing. a memorable season already. <laughs> It's, it's it's really chiming with us, isn't it? It's <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time since I can't remember the last game that I commented on when I was on a podcast. But I've I've done quite a lot of travelling since. I mean, I've been to um, Walsall, Porto, Newcastle, and the Hammers at the weekend. Um, and fortunately, I'm not going to Stoke tomorrow night because I've managed to sell my tickets. But um, yes, I've, I've been doing a lot of travelling. Did, did did I talk to you since I went to Porto? 
No, um, because that was one we did that, um, I think we did our last pod in Shed the night before the Porto game, or two nights before. So I think probably the last one we did was where we covered off Newcastle um, and our uh, kind of Lazarus-like coming back into the game, really, against a team who are generally probably just as rubbish as Villa. Well, well just, just to recap, just one word about Porto, even though you have covered it. I was sitting next to a chap in the stadium before kick-off, and he was Belgian. So I said to him, oh, you're only here to support Hazard then? And he said, no, no, I've been to every game home and away since 1997. I thought, bloody hell. <laughs> anyway, he's the chairman of the Belgian Supporters Club, and he got interested in Chelsea when um, we signed Babayaru from Anderlecht in 1997, and that got his enthusiasm going. And he's now been to every game. And the week before, we'd been in Walsall, and he'd been up to Walsall. I mean, you've got to be keen to live in Ghent in Belgium to go to Walsall. And he hasn't missed a game since 1997. And what they do is they um, get this minibus together, drive from Ghent up to um, Calais, get the Eurostar across, and then wherever they're going, they drive to. So he'd driven up to Newcastle with the minibus with the group of fanatical Belgians. And it put, a, put it into perspective for me, really, that you know, I think I give quite a lot to follow the team, but this guy is seriously committed. I regret asking one question, which is, are you married? I forgot. I really should have found that one out. He can't be married. I mean, the amount he must spend is just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, not only committed, but rich. You know, well, uh, or maybe poor. Because he's got no money left. Yeah. He spent it all. <laughs> that's one way of looking at it. Yes, yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, yeah. So that was, that was interesting. So um, we we might all think we're fanatical fans, but um, I think he sets the benchmark. I, I agree. But, um, in, in terms of performances, um, I mean, every game's the same, really, isn't it? I, I sort of had a bit of false hope that um, against Dynamo away, we might be picking up. But um, we came back down to earth again on Saturday away to the Hammers. And, and basically, um, we can't really attack. We can sort of pass the ball sideways until we get to the edge of the box and then we just become clueless and start passing it backwards. We, we can't really defend. And if you can't defend and you can't attack and there's a bit of something going on in the background in terms of motivation, it's not really surprising that we are where we are in the league. What, what else can I say? Um, probably not. I mean, you've kind of... Um brought together a lot of my thoughts there at the moment I mean, I'm still holding out some hope that fourth place or you know, top four finish is, is possible which, which almost makes me an Arsenal fan in that sense doesn't it if I'm going to start thinking in them terms um, but uh, you know I, I, we're going to get into some interesting stuff no doubt when we start talking about the um, the manager's um, current you know um, psyche and, and, and where his mind's at or, or where his mind is possibly not at as well um, Clayton your views, and I know you've been um, away as well, so I think you've missed a few games as well. I mean, um, so just for the listeners' purpose, we, you know, there's a few of us that have probably just, uh, you know, I've been to the Villa game, I watched the Dynamo game on TV, and I couldn't bring myself to watch the highlights of the Hammers game, so um, I've done it all through what I've just read in the papers. Clayton? I mean, to say, I, I, I've seen highlights of, of all the games, and so it's very difficult to, to sort of say definitively what you know is going wrong but it, it you know it seems to be a lot of the same thing happening time and time again and I, what i would say is if you took these three games in isolation 
you basically would expect a home win against Villa, which we got. Um, we didn't play brilliantly, but we, we played to get a result, which we got, which was fine. It was what we needed at the time. I don't know anybody um, who would have complained about getting a point at Kiev. We were very unlucky um, in terms of yet again not getting a, a, a absolutely. Was it? It wasn't a blatant penalty, but it was a penalty. I mean, yeah. the, 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 yeah. there's absolutely no doubt about that. In my mind, we hit the post twice. Um, we looked perhaps more solid than we've done in recent weeks. So, you know, I think anybody would have said, yeah, great, a point against Kiev would have taken that all day long. Um, and then we're playing against one of the form teams. I think one of the things that um, sometimes gets missed when we moan about ourselves is is other teams and how well they played. Well, not I don't think they played brilliantly, but they played well enough. Um, and they started the season in terms of training and, and where they are sort of weeks before we did. They, you know, before we even went back to training, they, they probably had one of a, had a Europa League game. Um, so in I don't think we can fall back on fitness again, but I think it's still an issue. And, and, and we're playing a team who basically are so far ahead of us in, in time-wise. So I can't. I think if you take the, the results in isolation, where 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 we are sort of as respective um, positions in the league, getting beaten by a team who went second, you can't. You know, and being narrowly beaten because we did brilliantly to come back. But with all of these defeats that we've had. There's so much self-inflicted damage. I mean, we're, we're, we're giving things away when we can't afford to do so. So um, there are bigger things which we will discuss shortly. But, I mean, just as I say, just taking those three games in isolation, I don't actually think that sort of looking at the three results, um, there's anything much, much of a shock, to be perfectly honest. Uh, nicely put, Donal. Um. Uh. <laughs> and there it is. That's basically summed up. But that basically <laughs> summed up what I said in about three <laughs> seconds, <laughs> and probably better. <laughs> oh dear! Please carry on. Apart, don't apart, <laughs> apart from um, for a long time believing that uh, Kiev was the uh, origin of the game of garlic football, I um. I have very little to say. I, I find myself thinking that wouldn't just be sort of general ranting. I, 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 I listened to the Kiev game on the radio. I, for family reasons, I couldn't see the West Ham game. I watched the highlights, um, which I think, judging by what I've read and what I've heard and so on and so forth, um, wouldn't give you a very good impression of what was going on. Um, I think, obviously, against against Villa, well, if we didn't beat Villa, then we were in, in big trouble. And yet it took a couple of rather scrappy goals to do so. But you, you take that, don't you, when you're when you need of the points. Um, certainly the, the impression I got was that there was an improvement against Kiev. People like Matic seemed to be getting back to a little bit of form. Hazard as well, and so on and so forth. Saturday, again... When, when the dust has settled, there seems to be a consensus that actually we didn't play that badly. Um, I think that the, the problem that Mark has alluded to, you know, percentage possession against chances created, that's a problem that's been stacking up since last season at least. And 
I think that comes down to the, the way Mourinho plays his football. And, and, you know, when it works, it works well. When it doesn't, you end up with a shortage of goals. But then his system is built on, you know, not conceding goals as well. And once you're conceding two goals a game, as we are now quite regularly in the Premier League, that strategy doesn't work. So you either have to sort the defence out or you have to score more goals. Um, and at the moment, we're not doing either. You know, as, as Clayton said against Kiev, you know, we're unlucky not to score. There is the only crumb of comfort I can put in all this um, is, and this is, bear with me because it's not football related, but I, I watch a lot of hockey. Uh, I follow Montreal Canadiens. They've spent two years being, getting, getting on very well and, and doing very well, but running against the statistics. You know, they don't create enough chances. They don't have enough puck possession, etc. And yet last season, they managed to uh, have the second best record in the, in the NHL. And what people are seeing this year, they've now started this year uh, eight games undefeated, which is almost unheard of in their history. People are saying, well, is this down to a change of um, tactics, which I think it is, but also are we just seeing in a small sample some luck? And luck is a thing within statistics, you know, that's observable, i.e. there are things that you cannot explain happening when you look at everything else. And it may just, uh, Saturday particularly in isolation, may just be one of those days where it just wasn't going to happen. I mean, they had an offside goal, which in any game you watch could have been given either way because he was basically either a kneecap offside or just onside. A, a, a millisecond's hesitation by the West Ham defender and Zuma's header goes over the line. Um, Matic, on another day, the referee might have just let it go, the second one, they often do. And, you know, it's just an accretion of all those things going against you in one game. You know, sometimes you just have to say it doesn't matter what you do. You know, we were playing better than we have been playing. It just got stacked against us for whatever reason. And if we play like that again next week, we might get the result. Although, <clears throat> saying that, Mark Clattenburg is the referee. So. I just wonder if it's, it's starting to look a little bit like... Um, Mourinho's almost copped a little bit of Wenger's inability to have a plan B. Um, you know, it, it, we've we stopped playing the flowing football. You know, arguably after playing Swansea last season and the five nil, or even more arguably, I guess after the five three um, against the team that you know we we never mention. Um, uh, and I just wonder whether we're you know there's a little bit of me that's wondering whether or not we've been found out. And there is nowhere else to go with this particular squad of players. It, it seems almost incomprehensible to me, in a sense, because with Hazard, you know, we, we could look at all of the squad. And I, I've, I was very vocal after the Southampton game um, in saying that I feel that the players are, are, are as culpable, if not more culpable, than Jose. They are really letting everybody down, and I'm, I, I'm one for you know, who get, I get particularly irate when I get patronising players coming out saying well you know we're going to fix this and all this bollocks that they come out with and we've had Begovic coming out today 
um, in an interview saying, and no, honestly, things are getting better. I mean, football was one of the rare instances where good and where bad becomes the new good. And um, I just wonder whether or not that's where we've fallen into. It, just as a comparison, I mean, Juventus won the uh, Italian league last year at a bit of a canter, as, as I recall. Um, and, you know, they're currently languishing in 12th. Um, so we're not the only ones that seem to be having a bit of an issue. Um, having said that, they're only eight points off the top to our 11. But um, I, I do wonder whether or not we've been found out. And we don't have, in, for the first time in Mourinho's life, um, he doesn't have a plan B or the idea of a plan B of what to do. He, he, he doesn't seem to want to trust the kids. Um, you know, Loftus-Cheek gave a good uh, account of himself against Villa, got pulled at half-time. Um, you know, none of the other ones are even getting really a sniff. Um, and it just seems all a bit odd. You know, if you look at Baba Rahman, who took some stick against Villa, but actually in the second half, played pretty well, I thought. Managed to cut out a lot, get his tackles in, whatever. And is then unceremoniously dropped at the next game to play Zuma at right back, which is like, you know, just crazy for me, that is. But, you know, I don't know what anybody else thinks. I, you know, I, we will get obviously into the manager bit in, in a minute, but I think the players themselves seem to be um, lost. I read something this morning which I thought was quite interesting. Diego Costa comes out and says, well, actually, I came back um, overweight um, for, from pre-season. And, yeah, and yeah. He, he, his honesty was greeted with, um, you know, a, a people said, oh, you know, that's, good, that's a good thing for him to say. But he, the, the person who wrote the article said he should have been fined. Why has he come back? You know, what, 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 yeah. what, what, what? You know, what has he been doing? Um, Hazard. Hazard. My, I, I thought Hazard... I, I, you know, I'm, I'm the last person in the world to talk about weight. But um, <coughs> Hazard, when he... The beginning of the season, he looked like he, he'd put on a few pounds. Um, and it, it's it's just interesting that the, the, the squad seems to be disjointed. And, and as you say, we'll talk about it. But I think one thing that, that, that is missing... Um, with all the sort of the persecution and this and that, is we've basically missed our goalkeeper. We haven't had our goalkeeper for two months. And as as well and as good a backup as Begovic is, and he is a backup, um, he certainly didn't cover himself in glory on Saturday. And certainly on the second goal, I, I thought he was his positional sense was a bit rubbish. Um, but... You know, I, th- I think that's a crucial thing. I think that's not just him, but, you know, we, we, we didn't have him. And then we had Costa. Oh. Hello? Hello, did we lose Clayton there? I think we may well have done. Clayton, we can't hear you. Um, right, whilst we try and get over that, um, perhaps Mark. Perhaps Mark, can you hear me? Not... Yes, we can, Clayton. We lost you there for a second, and you, okay, seem, to have, sorry. you um, seem to have disappeared into a glass box, but we can hear you now. Right. Okay. Um, I, I don't know where 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 my ramblings got up to, but I I, I think losing Courtois and then Costa, I think was was pretty damaging or has been pretty damaging. But I, I just think that, that there is something going on. There's something wrong. The team selection's not helping. But but let's talk about that when we talk about Jose. Indeed, Mark. I'd like to actually. I did, hear, I did hear a rumor about um, Eva was meant to produce the dietary plans for the players and she never did which is another reason why Jose fell out with her but several players are overweight and and in in this level of football there is no excuse for anyone 
being um, one gram overweight, is it? No, not really. I know. I, I think there's, there's, there's obviously a bit of a fitness issue. It's interesting you say that about um, Eva Canera because there's a little bit of me that, that you know, I'm not, I generally don't believe in coincidence, and yet, and yet, all of this does seem to coincide with the departure of her from the club, as it is now, um, and John Fern from, you know, the, the, the dressing room and from the bench. And, um, you know, I can't help but think there is a link there. And, and I wonder whether some of the players are a bit pissed off about it. I mean, there's all the usual conspiracy theories and all, the, all the, the general rubbish about, you know, there was inappropriate relationships apparently at the heart of all this, which um, I don't buy for a minute, actually. I, 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 I you know, it completely... Um, undermines any professionalism on the part of um, on the part of Eva Canero, I think, in that sense. But there does seem to be this kind of whole coincidental and almost like a gloom that's sitting over it. I mean, I, go back to what you said. I think go back to what Clayton said. Courtois, I liked him from the day I saw him because he's a shouter. He's another Schmeichel. He commands his box. He will bollock John Terry. Not many people would do that. Um, and um, he does. He's a commanding presence. And I think with Costa, and we talked about this last time about you know the fact that if JT goes, we might you know who's going to step up and lead. And I think Costa may well, like Rooney, almost come into that role, um, you know, a sort of combative figure. Um, but I, I take, I do take the point that you know there's, there there is something not quite right within within the squad within the club. And I also do wonder, and and it's slightly controversial because it's going to make me sound like I'm really after John Terry when I'm not. Um, but I do wonder whether he's he seems ineffectual at the moment in this leadership captaincy role. He's made no not one bit of difference in any game, as far as I can see. Um, we all welcomed him back against um, Aston Villa, I think. Um, or no, against Southampton, I think, when he came back in, in that game. Um, and we lost 3-1 in the previous two games to that. We lost 3-0 and 3-1 to Villa and... Um, uh, to, sorry, to City and Everton. Um, and I wonder whether or not when he was the leader, when he was the captain, he had the likes of uh, Lampard and that kind of old central spine, which is all but gone. He's the last remaining one of them. Um, you could argue Ivanovic joined that, but you know he was still a late addition outside of Mourinho's time. And I just wonder whether or not he has that influence in the dressing room. He certainly doesn't seem to have it on the pitch anymore. Um, and it's controversial. I've said it before in the last one, Mark, if you didn't hear the last one, that I think this is you know, JT's last season, you know, and I've had sort of information given to me that he's, you know, there's an image softening thing going to go on so he can pick up a career in media and punditry or whatever. But there does seem to be that lack of proper balls and leadership in the team when things, you know, the the interesting article from, I think, Dominic Fifield in today's Guardian, where he said, you know, that in the old days, under that Terry Carvalho, that original Mourinho spine, that team pretty much managed itself. Even after Mourinho went, those those players could manage things on the field without the reference back to Uncle Avram. Um, so I just wonder whether there's there's something in that, and and it certainly seems to be very almost not identical to Mourinho's last third season with us, but it does seem to be spiralling into a similar, if not worse, um, sort of position than before. I don't know if anyone's got any. Thoughts or comments on that? Please have them. I think, I think, I think the thing about... Sorry, The other day I had to change the toner cartridge in my laser printer. <laughs> and I'm glad I gave way. 
Yeah. <laughs> and this is a lot more interesting, believe me. <laughs> and, and I was thinking, shall I just get a new printer rather than just change a toner? bit wasteful, but I'm a bit like that. And, and I looked up the specification, and it referred to the MTTF, Mean Time to Failure. Yeah. And so I wanted to mention that this evening. I did double-check on Google that MTTF is the appropriate acronym, because previously I did think it was MTF, but actually <coughs> that means male to female in a yes. sex change operation, so I'm, I'm glad I did get the extra T. <laughs> And that I didn't or, or, that. Or, so, in plugs, so. or in plugs and connectors, Mark, I have to say. <laughs> Indeed. MTF yeah. is, is yeah. quite often used when talking yeah. about you know, mating yeah. plugs and so on. <laughs> but, but I thought meantime to failure was an interesting one. Yeah. And I think it also relates to football managers. In fact, any managers. I'm, I'm sure we've all worked for people where um, they seem fantastic on day one. But as time goes on, your sort of belief in them does tend to wane. And I was sort of thinking about what is the mean time to failure for a football manager. And part of it will depend on their method of management. And, and those that sort of rely on motivation, I, I think, um, will run out of steam. So I thought Stuart Pearce had a one-month mean time to failure in that I, I, I can imagine that for the first game, he can really get you pumped up. And for the second game, just about sustain it. But by the end of the month, you're, you're getting a bit exhausted by his um, punching his fist through the dressing room wall to demonstrate to you how you should be tackling the fullback when he comes charging towards you. <laughs> Tim Sherwood, I think, has a two-month mean time to failure. Um, similar method to Stuart Pearce, but I think he's got a slightly longer life. Kevin Keegan, I think, is about 12 months. And unfortunately for Jose, I think it's two years. And that, you know, he has a big reputation. And when he comes in, players all think, oh, God, this guy's brilliant. Yes, I'm motivated. And that you can sustain it for the first se season, even though our first season with him on this second time around was sort of okay-ish. Last season we did well and everybody was sort of motivated by Jose. They all loved him. But actually, when you listen to Jose in his press conferences, he does come out with a hell of a lot of bullshit. And if I was working for him as a, an employee, maybe by the third year, when he comes out with the same old bullshit, you're sort of think, sitting there thinking, you know what, I can't listen to this anymore. It's just utter bullshit. And the guy is not motivating me, he's just pissing me off. And when I listen to him in the press and when I watch his antics, he pisses me off. He's always pissing me off. He pissed me off in his first regime at Chelsea. I was one of the few who didn't want him to come back because I knew he would bring the club into disrepute. And now he's beginning to piss me off again. And um, if I was a player being pissed off, I wouldn't want to play for him. Now, all of this could be complete um, red herring, because players do say, you know, his off-field persona is completely different from his press persona. We love playing for him. And there may be something going on at Chelsea that is completely not Jose's fault. You know, Roman may have got his massive spanner out and stuck it somewhere where it's just not helping things or something else has gone on that we don't know the facts. And we may not know the facts for 20 years until someone's autobiography comes out. So it may not be Jose's fault, but it may just be that Jose is only good for three years and um, everyone gets bored of him. You know, like Ferguson went on for years. I think Ferguson has a slightly longer MTTF. But what he managed to do was he always used to change his squad. 
So everyone came in fresh, and therefore he could start a fresh relationship, apart from Ryan Giggs. And who therefore, was, they were starting all plenty of fresh relationships. Indeed, exactly. and so you know, they they all, unlike most clubs, he changed the squad and kept the manager, whereas most other clubs tend to do it the other way around. That's my theory. That's a very very good one. I I I'd never really looked at it like that, and and I think when you look at uh, Mourinho's record with you know Porto, Chelsea, Inter Milan, Real Madrid, back to Chelsea, um, that it does smack of something. Now, I mean, I think it's worth bringing up the point that um, he's regularly flying back to Portugal um, by all accounts in order to to visit um, his father who's apparently pretty gravely ill Um, and and, you know if if it was you or me Mark or Donal or whatever um, working you know my company would very probably turn around to me and say listen you need to go and do what you can do there because you're no good to us here in fact um you know, one of my best managers I ever worked for was a guy called Gri- well, his, his 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 proper name was Steve Greenfield, but his nickname was Gripper because we had a feeling that if he ever got you in the office, he'd probably be gripping you by something um, in order to bellow into your face and give you the hairdresser tr- uh, the hairdryer treatment, hairdresser treatment, good lord! <laughs> that's a, I'm that's a, that was going gripping his head. <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it was a complete. <laughs> But this guy... Um, when you went into his office, did you say your phrase that you've mentioned twice this evening, that a small part of you doesn't feel very comfortable with this? <laughs> exactly. I just felt that this guy... Um, there were at a point when he was a sort of senior manager to me, so he was two levels above me, if you like. Um, and, um, you know, a particularly difficult point in my own life at that, you know, where I was patently shouldn't have been at work because there was too much going on outside... And he basically came out, and in his gruff old way, he basically said to me, listen, fuck off home and don't come back until you're better, because you're no good to me here. Which was in, in, in his own rather gruff way, his way of saying, do you know what, you, you need to get your priorities right and go and sort some things out and come back. And I just wonder, I mean, there's no precedent for this. I mean, football is a very, very, if you like, um, uncompassionate, you know, industry, isn't it? Players, you know, there's still the, the, the whole stigma attached around... Um, sexuality or, or mental health or whatever, you don't often get this. You know, it, it, it's almost like treading the boards, isn't it? You're expected to go on no matter what happens. The show must go on. And I do wonder whether, the, you know, there's if Mourinho's, um, you know, uh, mental capacity is, is, is breaking down, as it looks to me. And, and I'm, I love the bloke. I did want him to come back. I, I don't want him to go. But I also don't want to see somebody um, who's... Um, uh, in a, an act of foolish bravado, taking on the world, trying to protect his players, trying to protect the club, trying to look after or be do the right thing by a sick father, um, uh, 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 and heading for the only place where that is going to be, which is a complete you know nervous breakdown. And I wonder whether the club should be saying, do you know what, Jose, go and sort that out. Steve Holland and Rui Ignat can look after the team. We've got enough people here that can carry this on. Because I, I do wonder, you, we, we sit here, and like you've just said it yourself, Mark, we don't know. We, we possibly won't know for 20 years um, what it is. That but if, if it was a case about his father, why don't the clubs do something or say something? Yeah. That, rather than let all the speculation do you, do you go on, why wouldn't they... Sorry, do, do you not think... Because I was actually thinking about this today. I was, I, I, was, you know, I was thinking, is there been a precedent of somebody who managed a, a football club, a premiership football club, 
who's basically taken a sabbatical because thing going off. I don't, I, I, you know, behind no. the scenes, I don't think there is. No. And you and, and we don't know because I think part of the reason why they came out and supported him about three weeks ago is because there is there, there's loads of crap going on there. There is a, there's a huge amount of crap going on at this club that we'd have got absolutely no idea about um, because our fall from grace is is just it is beyond explanation. I mean, we we can sort of talk to the cows around there to, to, as to what we think the problem is, but but it, none of this makes sense. I mean, it, it could be dressing room unrest. It could be that you know people that the Jose is really suffering, and and they, they they may have said to him, look, you know, if you need time off, and and he's a very proud man from you know looking from afar, and he probably says no, I, I can do it, but quite patently he can't. Yes. Um, just going, going back to, to what Mark was saying, which I thought was a really good point about this sort of um, the, the shelf life. I've got, I can't remember the anachronism that, that you used. Um, I, I think that's a very good point. But, but actually, I think that the, one of the fundamental problems that we've got this season or we had this season was the fact that our transfer activity was absolutely pony. And that whole thing that you were saying about Fergie getting fresh faces in, so you're not talking to the same people time and time again, um, is, is potentially a problem. And, and sort of, as I mentioned in the last podcast that we did, this favouring of certain people and picking them irrespective of how badly they were playing. If you're sitting in that dressing room and you can see, I mean, obviously, Branagh's injured at the moment, and you can see week in, week out that somebody's being picked who's playing like absolute donkey. Why, why are you then, you know, you, you start to lose respect for the manager, surely? I agree. I do. Actually, Pep Guardiola did say in the last couple of weeks um, that he doesn't think you should stay at any club for more than three years. And, and apparently he's not, isn't he? Because <laughs> he's already... No, no, we're quite, no, he obviously knows. that You know, he, he gets bored, they get bored, everyone gets bored. You, you can't... You know, who can be a manager for longer? So maybe we're all being unrealistic, thinking anyone can manage, apart from Wenger, where there's no pressure, and Ferguson, who was an exception. Yes. Yeah, um, I, but the I, other I, thing also, just on Clayton's point about the uh, transfer policy, the, the other side of that argument also is, Clayton, that, um, you know, Mourinho might have the hump that we didn't spend £140 million on Pogba and Stones. But again, um, you know, if you look at any manager in any job... You, you can't just say, well, I want a complete um, refit of all my tools and equipment every year. No, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm I'm not, I'm not saying that. expensive on the planet. If I don't get a Mercedes for every one of my taxi fleet, I can't run a taxi taxi company. No, 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 I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. And I, I do actually think there is an element of him having a cob on because he didn't get what he wanted. What I'm saying, and, I, and I, I, I take your point entirely, but what I'm saying is irrespective of who he wanted in and how much money it cost, etc. I mean, if you're a decent manager, you should be able to manage irrespective of, of who's there. I do think there's an element of you need to freshen things up, and we didn't do it. No, I agree, but you don't need to freshen things up to... Um to avoid dropping down to 15th in the table or wherever we are. No, I can accept if we don't freshen it, we might struggle to win the league, but we ought to be challenging. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, I, I mean, I, as I say, I think there's lots going on. I just think that is just yet another contributing factor. I think you've got to go back to why, and you touched on it earlier on, why did so many players come back? Well, two things. Players turning up patently out of condition and 
you know, overweight. And there was at least at least two, possibly. I mean, Fabregas apparently didn't look super fit when he came back. Um, players, you know, a lot of players patently out of form. So on the one hand, what were they doing in the summer? Were they given the right programmes, etc.? Whose responsibility was that? It's unacceptable. But then, I didn't, but then, I didn't uh, wait on over the summer. Did but you? Then a de- <laughs> no. But then a decision was taken um, to to start training late. Why, why did Chelsea come back later than you know nearly everybody else? What was the, what was the thinking behind that? Someone made that decision and must have known that there was a risk then that particularly when you're playing teams like West Ham, who started back in July or whatever, that, as, as has happened in, in many seasons, the teams who start in the Europa Cup and that often have a very good first three or four months. So who made those decisions and why? I mean, that's where it's all started. Um, well, I although I think there are, some, there are some hangovers from last season where, you know, towards the end of the season what we thought was a bit of weariness and a bit of um, worry about, you know, are we going to win the title, aren't we? And once we've won the title, everyone relax and get back to playing football. Peyton, it hasn't happened. They've all gone away for the summer. They've come back not in what would appear to be one peak or even approaching what should be their condition and two, mentally stale, patently, or, or, or certainly not mentally ready for, for the season. And we compounded that by sitting them in Montreal for a month, flying them around America, then brought them back here, and, and bang, the season starts. Who, whose responsibility is all that? Well, that, that, that's partially the club, isn't it? I mean, no, I mean no, who, who within the club has taken those decisions? Was, was, was Mourinho part of that? No, no, no. I, I think the, the decision to come back late was Mourinho's, but the decision to go halfway around the world is, is the club. It's commercial sponsors. That, that's, you know, and, and that's, that's knackering everybody. But Man City did a similar thing. They don't seem to be struggling as badly as we are. I think Manchester United, even Spurs, did, did all of that. Um, but we, we're the ones the most. I mean, that, that's just an observation that things didn't get off to a great start because of that. I, I, yeah, I think the world is divided into those who think Mourinho can only do a couple of seasons and then he's gone, and those who say, well, hang on, you look at his record... Okay, we're having a bad two or three months. Maybe this season's going to be a bit of a washout. You know, Ferguson had similar seasons and came back. Surely, if you think he's he's a great manager, then you've got to give him time to turn it around. And it might take this season being a wipeout. We can, we set against we, that is is is, yeah. is Chelsea's you know unwillingness normally to to even countenance. We, we touched on it last time, didn't we? And we, we we sort of said that you know if if you look at Mourinho, he's one of the few coaches, possibly the only one in the world, who's, whose career has done nothing but glitter from day one. You know he's he's not had any really massively disappointing seasons wherever he's gone, and. It was inevitable that that was going to come up. I think you know, no, you, 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 it's an old cliche, but you have to know the bad so you can appreciate the good. And if you've mm. never had the bad, then when it comes and the longer it takes to come, that you know, I mean, as you said, and, and Mark, uh, Mark pointed out there, you know, Ferguson would have a dip every few, 
years or whatever when United you know, would be like, oh, this is the end for them. Don't forget, it took him six years to get his team into a position where it became the dominant force in, in, in English football. And um, and he was given that kind of patience to build the, that, the whole thing and get the ethos there. Um, uh, we know that that's a one-off. We know that that's never going to happen in any club these days because the Premiership is, you know, survival in the Premiership is, is the be-all and end-all. But I do wonder whether or not, you know, this is the season where you sit back and say, OK, that was rubbish and we accept that. And we, well, once we, things will pick up, because I'm no doubt they will, that you end up, you know, hoping you get into a scrape into a top four. I'd still like an FA Cup. I'd still like to see us picking that, that one up again. Um, and then starting again next season where the point, you know, there's a lot of rubbish being spoken. You know, Mourinho's trying to make a point about the, the rubbish buying policy. He's trying to get himself sacked. I don't, for one minute, take any of that. That's just cobblers. He is part of a committee of people that decide the targets and the funding and the players go for. He may not have got what he wanted. Um, and it was a bit odd the way we waited until the last minute before we started making serious bids for, for, for John Stones or whatever. Um, and the rumoured bids for Paul Pogba, who I've no doubt would have made a terrific difference I- I to the team, you know, because as I've said, I think our our defence is poor because it's so slow. I think you know you have two players there, Ivanovic and Terry, who are for the knackers yard in, in my view. Um, but also you've got we've got zero presence in midfield as far as I can see in, in terms of that commanding Lampard Balak type character, that person who will put their foot on the ball and stop it. And, and, and you know, for me, uh, so it's been. This has been one of the most interesting conversations we've had about this because I take Mark's mean time to failures, and I think that's a very, very good point. Alex Ferguson was an exception, an absolute exception. There isn't anybody other than I think was it Crew Alexander who had Dario Grandi for you know, thirty years or whatever um, that, that that have ever stuck with a, a, a single manager that long and. The, the point about Wenger was also very good. He's under no pressure. He's in a complete position of authority at Arsenal. So much so that he's probably just wangled himself another two or three years onto the deal, even if he wins nothing. So Jose would say he's in a complete position of authority at the FA as well. Can I just ask? I, I, I only saw the highlights. Was anyone, has anyone seen the whole game like on TV where they were focusing on Mourinho? Everyone's talking about his meltdown. He seemed almost preternaturally calm, all the, the screenshots they showed on Match of the Day. And surely, had he gone into the screaming EBGBs, they would have shown that. Um, he, he got sent to the stands for having words in the tunnel with the referee. But that's not suggested anywhere I've read that he actually screamed and yelled at him. He was probably, as he's been before, extremely sarcastic and probably maybe took the piss out of the fella, and he wasn't having any of that. Um, so I'm not sure about, I, I appreciate this, the stress of his father's illness, but is he actually having a meltdown? Everyone's referring to this meltdown he had on Saturday. Did he visibly start screaming and yelling and jumping around? And, and no, I don't, I don't think he did. And I, th I, think I don't think he did, so I, I don't, well, I, these... I'm wondering... Yeah, you get. I mean, the press. You know, the the it fits people the story, who take pictures but... are very, very good at picking exact 
moments in time. You know, we we all saw the Ed Miliband eating a bacon sandwich picture, which was absolutely used to crucify the bloke. But, you know, if you ever tried eating any kind of sandwich and looking graceful, what was he supposed to do? And I think, you know, the press are very good at that. This captures that moment in time. It captures, you know, that one two hundredth of a second in that person's gamut of emotions or whatever but it's used as a narrative by the press by the by the tv media to say look at this bloke in meltdown uh, you know for me the signs that jose isn't the jose that was there last season and the season before is he he looks jaundiced haggard he looks he he has the the kind you know it's, it's one of those when you look back I mean if the club came out and said tonight you know you know Jose Mourinho is going to go on a month sabbatical because he's on the verge of a breakdown he's going to go and look after his father or whatever it is everyone in hindsight would be saying well look it was obvious wasn't it you could see in his face in his demeanour um, and, and so I, I've got the technical specs on Jose so I've got his MTTF his <laughs> right, twenty four months yeah. but I, I haven't got his melting point so. I think he was getting a bit heated, but I can't tell you whether he was getting hot enough to actually yes. start melting. Can I just, I just want to make one point about Jose on Saturday, which I, I, I think sort of um, is the fact that when he did what he did at half-time, he knew, or he must have known, that he was going to get sent off. So... Why he did it, I don't know. Your team's down to 10 men. You're 1-0 down. Your team wants to see you there, surely. They don't want to see you sort of, you know, skulking behind the pawn merchant, um, jumping up and down in his rusky hat. You just... The team needed him on Saturday, and he wasn't there. So, I don't... I mean, that that sort of thing doesn't help, does it? But... Um, it doesn't help me. I mean, I'd, 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 you say um, you've mentioned about, you know, Jose, we should give him time. I think it would be a lot easier to give him time if, if I was his boss. I'd give him more time if he could behave himself. We'd be looking for improvement on the pitch. But meanwhile, can you um, stop whinging every time you open your mouth? You know, just let the Wenger argument drop. It's irrelevant. It's pathetic. Just prove to yourself, to, to us, that you're better than Wenger by winning more trophies and don't let him defeat you. And just stop moaning about everything. Just be polite, be pleasant, and get on with the job. That's all I would ask of him. I think you've got a very fair point. But the only thing I would say, and I don't want us to be victims the whole time, but, you know, the statistic on Saturday, we, we, we committed 12 fouls. West Ham committed 10. We get seven bookings, they get one. I mean, that that, that, that is a disparity that you can't... How, you many can't of those, how many of those cards were for dissent? Well, that, that, that's fair enough. But no, no, the, the reason I'm, I'm asking this for a particular reason, uh, Clayton, because when you look at the charge sheet that the FA have come out with, and this is this is a really interesting thing, because I think it's possibly the second time it's happened this season, is that they are actually charging West Ham with failing to control their players. Okay? They're saying failure to control their players in the 44th minute. So that means surrounding the referee to get Matic sent off, they yep. see as failure to control, in, to control their players. How many bookings did they get for doing that? None. Right. 
We're charged with failing to control win. Chelsea are charged with failing to control their players in the 45th minute. They got at least two yellow cards in that yeah. time. So what, what, what the FA are actually doing, and, and they've done this once before, and it's bothering me now because I can't think of it, is post-game, they are actually refereeing, admitting that the referee was got it wrong. But they are not. In the Arsenal game with Costa, that, they, they refereed that after as well, didn't they? Yeah, but they refereed that against us. This was something where we 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 lost out as, during the game, and it was then. But but they at no point did they call into question the referee's judgment. But yes, well, no, I don't think that's, that's, this is the only only conclusion you can draw. If they feel that West Ham failed to control their players, then that means that they think the referee should have done something about it. Surely. They, they think, that what, they think that what West Ham did was just as bad as what Chelsea did. And yet, like you're saying, just as with all the fouls that were committed, he didn't hand out any cards. Now, I'm not saying there's a conspiracy or anything. I'm just saying that you add that to the, to the, the offside and, and the, the goal that nearly was but didn't quite go over the line. You know, that's an accretion of incidents which made it. It, almost a bit like the QPR game a couple of seasons ago. You couldn't win that game whichever way you went. Um, and, you know, maybe next week against Liverpool, if we get the rub of the green and play, start looking like we're a bit fitter, a bit faster, a bit more cohesive, as has happened in the last two games, things might start to change. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I, I think... think... Sorry, go on, go on, Clay. I was just going to make that point to say, well... Yeah, no, I've I've been one that's jumped on the conspiracy theories more more often once, and the FA, you know, uh, you know, if if they all disappear tomorrow, I wouldn't be too upset with them. I think there's uh, hate. There's not there's not a sporting authority in the world that I like. That I think runs their particular sport for the benefit of the people who pay to go in the stadium. And let's face it, we are the only ones who pay to go in the stadium. The players don't, the managers don't, the coaches don't. Nobody else does. The FA certainly don't. Um, and I, I, but in this particular case, you know, I think it's certainly the number of fouls being fairly level or whatever. But you know, it's a, it's the severity that counts as well, as opposed to just uh, the, the the totting up. I think. And um, so, so chopping down William in, in the second minute wasn't. That, and I agree. Wasn't and I agree. There is, there is an inconsistency. You, you would look. You would look and say, well, you know. But you know, we're the architects of our own downfall, I think, with 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 Jose's refereeing comments, with our own ability to surround referees and, and harangue them, which is sort of something that's um, always been. Yeah, but every, every team does. Yeah, they, and they all do does. it. I mean, I, I've long I've long said that you know the, the whole idea of the, the way they do it in rugby, where only the captains can approach the referee, is the way to go. But you know, I've also long been an advocate of the fact yeah. that referees should. That's, be like a, that's that. a fallacy as well. Well, the it, back it chat that goes on in rugby, well, you can hear possibly. it all the time now that they're mic'd up. Yeah, but the you know, that's, that's another fallacy. But I would like to see the referees mic'd up. The referees don't come out and explain after the game. And I, I think it would do them a lot of good to come out and say, yeah, I got that wrong or I think I got that right and the reason I did it was this. But they don't. And, you know, if the game wants to become modern and open and transparent in every other aspect where they're pushing this down our throats openness, transparency, you know, no corruption, everything's above board, and yet the referees, shtum, silence, nothing, not a word. 
and just this faceless bunch of blazers sitting somewhere um, who sit there and say, well, do you know what? Yeah, you, you know, using the words weak and naive is fine, but what you said isn't. So you get a £50,000 fine, which is £10,000 less than Arsenal got for a fucking transfer robbery that they did. Yeah. And you can see where the disproportionate punishments come in. I'm, I'm with Mourinho. I think the whole stadium ban... When did any... But then, sorry, then, get the rights. Where did they get a right? And who? what fucking idiots at any club signed up to the fact that they could ban... One of the club's employees from the stadium for words, not not for assault, but, not for but physical assault. Or the thing like is, that. is the thing is, Tony. Mark Mark's point about your your way of dealing with you know referees or dealing with the FA can come back to haunt you and cause you problems. Um, years ago, I, I was I was working in Wimbledon, and um, I was standing by one of the outside courts. Uh, one morning when all the players came out and were just warming up. John McEnroe was there, warming up. So you weren't really and working, then, to be fair, were you, Danny? You were <laughs> standing there admiring the players. And no, I, I was working there. I didn't your employer deduct an hour's wages while I pissed about outside watching all the players. You weren't no, working. Because, just, be, just be honest about it. No, because my job, my job yes. was court covering, oh, and yeah. it wasn't raining, and therefore the court couldn't be covered. Yes. Right. Okay, if you say okay. so. Yeah. so my job was to keep an eye on the orange ball, or was it a red ball? And if it dropped, it meant it was raining, and you had to get the covers on. But anyway, that's beside the point. There was two guys there in, basically linesmen. They had their blazers on. They were line line officials, and they were watching John McEnroe. And as I was standing there, I could hear them talking, and they. The way they were talking about John McEnroe, they clearly disliked the man. They disliked it, you know, because this was like back in you know, the First World War was just grinding to the close. And, you know, it was shocking the way McEnroe carried on. We're used to that sort of thing now. And these guys clearly hated him. Now, I'm not saying that when they were working the line in a game John McEnroe was playing, they deliberately called things the wrong way or anything like that. But if you're going about your job with that sort of animus, when it comes down to the, you know, that's so close to call, which way do I give it? You're not going to give the benefit it's, of it's, yeah. You're not going to give... And I'm, I'm not saying they're cheating. I'm not saying it's a conspiracy. I'm just saying, as a human being, you're just going to go, no, that was out. Yeah. Yeah? You're not going to... The ball that was clearly in and get out, but... It's really interesting you say that. that. Possibly does happen with Chelsea these days. I don't know, but but so, somebody Sorry, Clayton... linking that back. That, that I think you're right. Somebody was linking that back. It's Dan Silver. I don't know if you know Dan, but he sort of tweeted something about the fact that since we very unwisely, really, I think, very stupidly at the time, rushed into a battle with uh, Clattenburg after the uh, supposed racist comment. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, and, and I think it was a fair point, I think we've been on, on the, the arse end of so many awful decisions. I mean, we, you know, we, I don't think we have been, in terms of actually refereeing this year, I don't, I don't think that's the problem. I think the, 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 the double standards with, with Jose um, 
is just a little bit crass. But the referees haven't have been much less of a problem this year than than I mean, last year was atrocious. Last, I mean, how, you know, we won the league with with some of the worst refereeing decisions going against us in so many so many games. But I, I don't. I mean, I do think this whole persecution thing is 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 wearing thin. I think you're right, Mark. I think that the people are sick and tired of Jose whinging about this injustice and that injustice. But when you you know, if you are that person and you can see that you are being treated differently from somebody else, it must be very very difficult for you not to, not to say it. I mean, I, I agree about the bullshit. I mean, sometimes, certainly at the beginning of the season, when he was basically, you know, when we got tonked by Man City and he said, oh, we deserved the draw. On, the, on no planet did we deserve a draw that day. Yeah. yeah. You know, so don't, you know, don't treat us like fools. Yes, defend your players and what have you, but every now and again, hold your hand up and say, you know, we got beaten by a better team. Yeah, but... Mark, I mean, you, you made that point. I think it's, um, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I've, I've sort of grown a bit tired of it, so, which is why I was so glad he didn't actually say anything after the West Ham game. Of course, he's got into trouble for that. Um, and I, I guess it's easy. We all sit here and, and we do our little bit on our podding shed or whatever. We're not sitting in front of a room full of pretty feral people who are, you know, whose, whose job it is, is to trip you up and to, misconceive the context of what you say to turn a mild criticism into the words slamming such and such or you know uh, and what have you and it must get very very tiring I mean I think from a press office side of things we've we've no, we've been notoriously bad at PR for years I mean ever since that Burke Simon Greenberg was in charge or whatever um, you know we've been an absolute disaster in this whole PR exercise, no matter what we try and do. I mean, you know, we've said it before, if you look at the latest Chelsea Supporters Trust um, newsletter, a meeting up with other clubs who've lauded the fact that we are, to, to date, the only Premiership club paying the living wage. Yet that one was just quietly slipped out, no one picked up on it, no lauding of us in the press um, or anything like that, because it doesn't sell print, good news stories don't sell print. And, and I can't help but think that there is a little bit of a... You know, they, the, the press loved Mourinho coming back, and now they, they they're doing. You know, it is a peculiarly British thing. You know, where you build them up to you knock them back down again. Um, and with everything, as, as much as he does, like a whine and a whinge and a moan or whatever. Um, you know, I, I wonder whether he's you know, strong enough at the moment to, to deal with that. Um, you know, the, the fact that you are obligated to go out and talk to the press within twenty minutes of the game. When you've been sent off, your team have been beaten. Um, you, you, well, why don't they put someone else up? That, I, I they, must admit, they, 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 why they, don't they, they put they, someone else up yeah, for a few weeks? They, they could, you do, know? Yeah, and if, I mean, he's, if he's struggling because of his father, etc., just say to him, right, yeah, step I mean, back, we'll was, put someone else up. It was you know, just fulfil fulfil the obligations the club has to the Premiership, yeah. you know, but just make the, the straw man of it just put someone else up there Absolutely. Ferguson and others have got away with it for years oh god Chelsea yeah do the same yeah, you know, no, just we, we used put, to do put it. someone else up in, in Jose's original one it, wasn't it it was Steve Clark 
Steve Clark yeah. was the right-hand man, and Steve Clark would often come out in front of the cameras and say, you know, okay, uh, you know, Jason's not feeling well. Or I'm happy whatever. to go down. I'm happy to go down there yeah, and do, and, do and a you, you wonder why. But, I mean, know. obviously, I don't think, you know, Rui Hothead Faria and, and Savina Lauro are quite the right people to put in front. Probably no reason why Steve Holland couldn't couldn't step up to the no. mark. Or, or, or why Chelsea haven't managed to get themselves, you know, a, 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 even if a puppet character to sit on the bench with Jose, a, a, an ex-player or something who can sit there and, and actually do that kind of thing and go out and say, right, OK, um, I'm going to talk to you about it this week. You know, but I, I said a few weeks ago, I think actually if, if the club told the press and, and the FA to, to basically piss off, we're not talking to you, or we will come out. I mean, it was a fantastic bit the other week, wasn't it? I don't know. You, you'll probably know this, don't we? You seem to be up on all these um, uh, 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 continental sort of sports or whatever. But the guy, he was an American footballer, I think, who basically stood there and he answered every question with, "I'm just, I'm just here so I don't get fined." Every question, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just here so I don't get fined. And, and I would, I would wager that there's nothing, nothing written down anywhere that says you have to answer the question that you're given. You could just sit there and say, I'm only here so I don't get fined. And then the FA are in a position of, of what? what? What could they put? They probably would find a charge and say, well, you, it's misconduct or something like that because they seem to have umbrella charges against people for these sort of things. But, you know, and, and, and perhaps that would be the answer. I don't know. Um, I, I, I think, I, I think I, the I thing you've got to bear in mind about Chelsea is that two, three, four, five years ago, um, Abramovich's money, you know, that was, that was the big game in town. Yeah. And... Much as they disliked him, etc., um, English football kind of needed his money because you know Chelsea spending big, and the continent as well. You know, our spending big was, was a trickle down to, to lots of other clubs. Um, he's not the only game in town. In fact, he isn't the game in town anymore. The game in town is 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 sovereign funds from generally from the Middle East and such places. You know, yeah. you are talking bottomless pits of money. Yeah. And and the FA are well aware of that. They know where the power in football is now, as has been proved by moving a World Cup to December and playing it in a country where they couldn't put a pub team together. Well, That's where the money is in football. Yeah. That's where the power is. And yeah. so, you know, Abramovich is, you know, much as he's a valued uh, owner of a football club, as far as I'm concerned, in, in the in the way he's obviously shown a commitment to the team and to the club, etc. As far as the FA and, and they, they don't really need him as much as they possibly did four or five years ago, mm. you know. And, and that's that's something to bear in mind as well. You know, if he sold up tomorrow, there'll be someone in Doha who will come up with. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, the, I guess you know, that's. And I like this. This you know, there's always talk. I mean, we could, we could sort of move on a bit now, and I think probably just maybe take a quick forward look because we're we're on the hour, and the listeners going to be, um, you know, pulling their hair out or, or, or slashing their wrists with a, a plastic spoon or something. Um, and I, I look at look, I want to look forward and say, you know, we've obviously got this. We've got Liverpool coming up on Saturday. We've got Stoke tomorrow night, um, st- which may be a welcome diversion. Uh, a midweek game, um, you know, in the up north, I guess, um, against yep. a, a, t- a team who are, are renowned. The Midlands, the Midlands, Tony. Wow, it's the Midlands. Thirty-seven yeah. miles from Manchester, isn't it? You know, so uh, you know. But let's not quibble over over geography. I, I think it's it, it could prove a useful diversion. Um, whether Jose uses it as a chance to 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 put some of the kids out or not, or whether he. He wants some of the players to play through this and, and get their form through constant play or not will be an interesting one to see. Um, Actually, 
just a point. Sorry. It, it would be hard to think of um, Stoke where that would be a useful diversion. Where, where would I be going to Stoke <laughs> be a useful diversion? <laughs> oh, oh I, I, we've got an office in Stoke. I know Stoke pretty well, and... Um, I have to be very careful what I say because I know a fair few people from Stoke as well. I doubt they ever listen to this because, um, you know, Chelsea supporters are thin on the ground up, up, up in them parts or whatever. But um, I do take your point. Um, it, it, it is a bit of a, a well, read driver on the wings um, review of, of Stoke, and, um, and that probably tells you all I need, all you need to know. Um, but it, as a useful distraction, if you like, from all everything that's going on, and I also think. Um, I mean, the Liverpool game on Saturday, which is normally uh, a hotbed of hatred and, you know, despising and, and, and loathing and, and all sorts, has, has become somewhat humdrum. Is it just me that feels that? I, I just look at it and think, this is, they're struggling. I mean, the, the clock factor hasn't kicked in yet. Um, and I don't suppose it will do because, actually, he's still got the same set of players that were pretty rubbish under Rodgers. Um, and, and, you know, a philosophy, philosophy alone doesn't change... Uh, a player's capability or whatever. Um, and, You're not and doubting the clock, Meister. Well, no, I'm not doubting him. I'm just saying I think he's, he's got. He's he's you know he's not going to turn words. that. He's not going to be turning that around in the season. But I think it, it's just it's, for me. It just feels like a bit of a sort of humdrum lunchtime. It's two two bald men fighting over a comb sort of game, isn't it? Really, that's no any of the, host, you, the more the positive way to look at all this, Tony. <laughs> positive way to look at all this is. Out of the ten, we've played ten games so far this season. We've, we've how many have we lost? Five. Five. Yeah. How many have we won? Three, isn't it? Two. Three. Three, is it? Three, okay. Three. Yeah. Right. Yep. So, we're going to play 38 games. Yeah? Yeah. So, if we're winning 30% of our games, yeah... Yep. That means we're going to win something around 12, 13 games, something like that. So there's a, there's a, another, another 10, 11 victories to look forward to this season. <laughs> yes. I, you know, you've got to be positive. And, oh, and, no, yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm not. You know, and, a couple, uh, and I'm certainly uh, not one of those. a couple of doors thrown in as well. Yeah. You know, it's not all bad news. Oh, no, I'm certainly not one of these people who's... Um, to, to coin my own uh, phrase, I'm certainly not a nappy shitter or sort of bedwetter over this. It's it's. We've got at least another nine or ten games to lose as well. Yeah, if we get the same rate, but there uh, you go. Uh, if it, if it helps reset some of the, the the mental expectations that people have got of our team and our club, and we, the fact we should be winning games six 0 every week and winning every trophy in sight, then then there's probably no bad thing to have a season of banality and, and, and mediocrity or whatever but uh, I don't know I just was hoping that you know, I, I've got a view that the Liverpool game is, is really nothing it's, a, it's, it's almost feels like a bit of a dead rubber it's important not to lose I guess but um, it certainly I don't think it will have the edge of, of, of the, that no. fixture as it normally would at Stamford Bridge Well based on reports it's probably quite an important game to Jose Well yes and, and um, but again you know I, I go back to this thing that um, you know Roman is looking to build a ground. He's building a legacy. He wants that to be what he, he you know, his day-to-day involvement in the club is um, is is publicly known to be less and less. And that this Marina Granovskaya, who's the who's the, the the kind of power base there, and she was instrumental in getting Mourinho back. Um, so you, you you know, as as you said, we don't know the full story. We don't know what's going on. But maybe he does have the full support of the board. 
on a more optimistic mm. note, it could just be that we're giving everybody a head start. You know, we're handicapping ourselves and saying, OK, well, we'll start in about two weeks' time and we'll still win. <laughs> but, well, yeah, that, I mean, we could, we could that, turn that's... the corner tomorrow. could turn the corner tomorrow. Exactly. Let, let's just hope that we are starting slowly and finishing fast as the opposite of last season. I can't actually see it myself, but I... I I mean, Saturday is an interesting game in insofar as you, you be interesting to see. I think the atmosphere hopefully will again be um, one of, of, of great support for, for him um, and for the team because ultimately, you know, we I've been sort of quite relaxed about what's going on in terms of we can't win the league every year. We can't, you know... Uh, Go back to sort of you know, not going back to the dark days and doing all of this, but you can't. I mean, obviously the the, the problem this year has been the performances, not so much the fact we're not winning. It's just the fact that we're not playing very well. And you look at that group of players and you think any other manager or any other situation, you'd say, well, those players aren't playing for the manager. But it, I, I don't know if it's me, but if you look at the celebration, the goal celebration on Saturday. You look at the goal celebrations against Villa. Those players were, they were delighted, probably relieved. But they were delighted. You, you know, you can, it wasn't like you see sometimes, you see somebody score and nobody goes over to congratulate him and they all troop back to the halfway line. When Cahill scored on Saturday, the team went mad. Yeah, you know, yeah. they were really up for it. So in, in that respect, I'm sort of quite encouraged. I don't think it's the end of the world or, or, or this, that and the other. I mean, it, there is something sort of awful, but... The one, the one thing that I, I would like to mention, I don't know if you anybody else was going to mention, is the, the sort of the whole social media, the last couple of days, and, and I'm as bad as anybody else because I'm on there and I'm looking and I'm, I'm sort of, you know, I mean, ultimately, Twitter, for me, I mean, you know, I wouldn't be here now, which perhaps a lot of people think, oh, God, what a shame. Um, <laughs> But, you know, the whole... You and Piers Morgan. Yeah, no, the whole social media thing has been a really positive experience for me. I've really enjoyed it, and I really like, you know, contributing and, and sort of getting, you know, making friends, which is what's happened over the last five, six years. Yeah. But on, on Saturday, something happened. I don't know if any of you other guys saw this, but somebody had... There was a tweet from Oliver Kay of The Times... That said, Jose Epstein is terrible. Oh, yes. Yes, I, saw yes, I did as well. In fact, I think I may have even. It's probably because it. I retweeted it. Yes. Because it I thought, was. oh my God. I, then, I, I saw it and I couldn't find it again after well, that. Well, no, no, no. Well, I, I went on to the BBC sort of news channel to think, you know, to, to sort of, you know, the, the X Factor was in full swing, but I was, you know, I was sort of on the computer, as you do. And and I sort of thought, I'm going to. There was no other. No other report, and I went onto this guy's or girl or whoever morons Twitter handle. And basically, this person had like ninety-five followers, whereas he's got to like twenty. And they'd literally lived his details, and were basically tweeting as okay, and had made this tweet. And I have to say that I just think that person is sick. I mean, just yeah. as much as you know. Over him. We know that there's some sort of 11 year old with his hand down his trousers doing this, and that's absolutely fine, you know. That's, that's uh, and, and you should try and ignore them. But then you've got this other moron who's got this um, Mourinho out Twitter handle 
who's basically talking about flying a plane on Saturday, you know, over uh, with the, you know, for the best interests. And you think, oh my God, 120 odd followers. Now, I don't know who this is, and, and ultimately I shouldn't really care who it is, but I just think this, this whole thing is just escalated to such a ridiculous proportion. People want their asses smacked. Uh, you yeah, know. but you've got, you've got to look at the number of followers they got. Like, I mean, it's just... I, I wouldn't even give it the time of day. I wouldn't worry But the, about the influence it. of younger people is, is getting younger. Because yeah. I, I noticed this evening, actually, that a 15-year-old has been arrested for... Yes. Um, Hacking the Talk Talk site. Yes, yeah. So, if, you know, if they're capable of hacking Talk Talk, obviously their security isn't that great, but he's probably quite a bright 15-year-old, and there's no reason why 15-year-olds shouldn't be bright enough to hold opinions about the future of football managers. I just... Everybody is entitled to their opinion. I mean, the, the first one I mentioned, the Oliver Gay and the hoax about him being collapsed in a hotel room, I think is just sick beyond belief i mean obviously people do a lot worse in life but i just think that's really sad but yeah i mean if, if people want Mourinho out then fine everybody's entitled to their opinion i'm not knocking them i just think it's very sad mm. indeed no, I, I i i would uh my only view is to take no I, I use twitter for for certain information streams but yeah i would most of the time half of what people come out with I, people are just trolling each other that's basically yeah. what's going on you know I, I wouldn't I saw that tweet you know like in a momentary thing and then had, had to go and do something and came back and tried to sort of find it again and look it up and very quickly realised that yeah if it was just a one off it was someone someone messing about you know or someone had either got hold of his website or you know done something and and most of half the the bedwetting that goes on twitter a lot of the time it's just people reacting in the moment you yeah, know absolutely you know like when it was all going down the crapper you're going oh jesus and people just tweet it's it's almost like instead of in the old days you'd have lit up a fag and had a quart of whiskey now yeah. you sort of tweet something ridiculous uh, yeah. that's why i don't i don't tend to no. do a lot I of think, tweets think, these um, days because i i, I find that you know, if I say something in the heat at the moment to do with football, I'll, I'll quickly change my mind about thirty seconds yeah. later. I think we what well, we we do we tend to do it, and we, we certainly have this kind of practice at work where you know you uh, you, you you want to respond to the shittergram that you get an email from somebody, and you tend to if you leave it in your your draft box for twenty four hours, you know, it's the ninety nine point nine percent of the time you won't send it next day because you think, do you know what? I'm glad I didn't send that now. And and and, and I will say the whole Twitter thing and social media thing to quote. Uh, one of my favourite um, songwriters and musicians of all time, he wrote, a, uh, it's, a, it's a track that's on um, uh, a fine album called Amused to Death. Um, and it's a song, and it's called, It's the Bravery of Being Out of Range. And that's what it comes down to, I think. Um, on that note, gents, I think um, we're an, an out just over an hour and ten minutes into this. Um, uh, I'll, I'll quickly do um, a little bit of the parish notices. So um, for the listener out there, um, if you go to www.poddingshed.com, um, you can pick up 
all sorts of... Uh, well, you can pick up the previous 68 episodes of this fine piece of work. Um, we've managed to get through all of tonight by keeping it all above the waist, which has been pretty good. Um, and also, you'll be able to pick it up on iTunes as well, I believe. And if you can go on and give us a rating, um, I think Nick, our glorious leader, loves all that sort of stuff. And, you know, what it entails for him and for us, I don't know. Um, but again, www.podinshed.com or on iTunes. and um, should be available from sometime tomorrow. Um, on another note, I think in two to three weeks' time, um, because such is our tight scheduling here, we can never tell um, from from one waning or waxing giver's moon to the next when we're going to be on. Um, but Johnny Dyer will be back. He's out doing some sterling research work for um, some uh, for a, a book on the First World War um, with uh, um, uh, I think the guy I can't remember the, name, the guy's name, but Alex Churchill is, is the girl who's written it. Andy Holmes is the other one, um, so he'll be back into the hot seat and doing his um, usual hosting thing. For me, it's been a real pleasure, um, gents. If there's anything else you want to add in, um, any more comments for tonight or for anything, then fire away now. Mark, anything you would wish to add? Well, just to compliment you on your um, standing in as the caretaker manager of the podcast. Um, <laughs> I mean, in, in, to put it into sort of a rating, really, I mean, I'd say you, you've done far better than Avram as a, as a caretaker. <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't say you've sort of got to the heights of Robbie Di no. Matteo to winning the Champions League, but re- really, because um, Avram, the only thing he could do, apparently, was put the cones out at training. Indeed. So, so fess, up, fess up, Mark, which one of you... Which one of us do you think has stepped up to take the penalty only for his foot to give way? Because <laughs> that, that's what stood between Avram and greatness. It was that's true. Yes, was that, that's small true. Patch, no, no, but, um, that small patch of poorly laid turf. Well, I think with the current conspiracy, none of us were actually given a penalty this evening, unfortunately. Even though <laughs> I think there were a few blatant ones. Uh, but no, seriously, seriously Tony, you, you've, you've done a, a sterling job and... Um, yeah. You'll go down well in the records as standing in, and yeah. we didn't lose two podcasts under your. Right. Um, yeah, I, yeah the, you're like the great Ray Wilkins. Indeed, you know, <laughs> 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 an unblemished of, record. Unblemished record. Indeed, indeed. Um, Clayton, anything? Oh, yeah. Anything you'd like to add in? No, I, 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 my favourite caretaker was always Hong Kong Fui. <laughs> <laughs> one for the teenagers there. Gents, Absolutely. Um, on that fine note, um, I'd like to say thank you all for giving up your time tonight. Um, and as I said, um, we'll see you um, all in a couple of weeks' time. So um, it's from, from Clayton. Good night, Clayton. Good night. From Donald, good night. Bonsoir. And Mark? It's turning into the Waltons now, isn't it? It is. <laughs> That's <laughs> exactly where I was going. Good night. Uh, yeah, and good night for me. Thanks very much.